to the Healing Space, a Black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host, Sensei Raven Akundayo, and this is... Oh, damn it. It happened again, Mike. <laughs> it is Black, queer, and unapologetic. Damn Mike and Josh. <laughs> I, I didn't, always I didn't do anything yet. Black yeah. gay stuck at home now. Welcome. (laughs) Whatever. This is, (laughs) this is, uh, Black Queer and Unapologetic 11. And I'm not going to keep saying that so I can keep struggling every single time. (laughs) (laughs) This is VQ&U 11. And, uh, I am happy to have back folks who are no stranger to the healing space. Of course, we have BHW. Welcome back, sir. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. Oh, nothing. Oh, you should keep going. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, wait a minute. Forgive me. I always want to say boys who. Is it boys and? Boys in. Boys in. Boys in BHW is one of the co-hosts of Boys in Brunch. And uh, we're saying thank you to him right now because they actually just recorded a little while ago. <laughs> so he's going from one podcast to another. So we are thankful for that. Booked. Booked. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we have Michael Ward here, who is co-host of the damn show I was telling you all about earlier. Listen. You can't call anybody booked. Like, this man is always on somebody's (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having uh, me. Their most recent um, event that they put on, their most recent screening, uh two days ago so tell us a little bit about that real quick uh mike yes bgsah.com thank you brandy um two days ago we had our uh screen with (laughs) advocates for youth for national youth hiv aids awareness day of rashad ernesto green's gun hill road which is an amazing film everyone should check it out a father comes home from prison to find out that the son that he once knew is actually going through a transition. So how does the family grapple with that? Mm. Check it out. Indeed. indeed. Come on. Announce your voice and everything. Right? Right? Book <laughs> me, pay me. I'm available if you need me. <laughs> Quiet storm all night. He had those voices. He had that voice that you hear on movie uh, trailers. It's like, yes. the world. And also, we have one of the originals from Black Queer Unapologetic, actor extraordinaire, George Hill is back with us, guys. Give it up. What? Give it up. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Misfits. (laughs) How are you, Mr. Hill? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, this is my. I'm like a Zoom version, so I'm like, you know, trying to figure out all this stuff right now. We're up that cherry. We're popping your cherry. Yes, exactly. We're popping your cherry. Yes. <laughs> why your head turned up like Because <laughs> I was looking back at it. I was like, wow. <laughs> something different. You know, but I'm uh, here. Listen, I'm queer. I'm listen, black. So, you know. I was like, wait a minute. You looking back at it? That never happens. <laughs> never. Nothing to look back at, really. So. Did you say nothing to look back at? No. <laughs> See, I don't. I, we, I'm trying to be my best PG version today, okay? Why? 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 You PG? I be trying to be. I like to think that I be PG sometimes. You, Mike, you don't. That's a. That's a. That's a I don't. You don't. Oh, I love you to death, but you don't. 
You're supposed to love me to life. <laughs> yes. I do, but I'm being honest. <laughs> Misfits, I'm just smiling. <laughs> so, so for this uh, episode, this installment of uh, Black, Queer, and Unapologetic, we're going to be talking about growing up gay. And so uh, <laughs> BHW had me a little weary, like, ooh, what am I doing? Because <laughs> BHW was like, oh, is that what the episode is going to be about? All right. I was like, is it? Is it <laughs> I'm not trying to make nobody cry telling their stories. <laughs> uh, but all of our stories are different. All of our stories are different. So of course, as always, the healing space is a safe space. And the blessing is that all, all four of us are actually friends. And so if at any point in time we do decide to get emotional, we know that this is a safe space and we can do so. So I just wanted to put that out there. I wanted to make everybody aware, um, you know, the laughing, the crying. There may be moments where we have to have some silence. That's good, too. Uh, just, you know, I ask, even though it's the, the three of you, so I don't have to. I just ask everybody to be as honest as possible. You know. Um, so I guess the the first question to start from the very beginning would be, when did you know that you were queer? And so I'll go first, just in case, you know, anybody's like, well, let me think about that for a minute. <laughs> I'll go first. Uh, I've known since I was like maybe five, six, uh, which is the reason why I've always found it strange when, especially when those who aren't queer try to say that a person doesn't know from that young an age, I absolutely did. Um, at that age, I didn't know that it was strictly men or boys. You know, I always knew I was attracted to both. Um, the That didn't separate until later on in high school when I knew that it was just men. But from a very young age, I knew that I was attracted to both. Um, didn't seem strange to me, but I was a kid. So I knew, you know, knowing certain things, learning certain things, saying certain things I shouldn't say, but I didn't see it as male or female. I saw it as I'm too young to be saying these kind of things. So it was like anything that I know I shouldn't be saying around adults because that's inappropriate for a child. But being attracted to another little boy didn't seem strange to me. The only reason why I would have not known to speak up about that is because society told me I shouldn't do so. But it didn't feel weird or wrong at all. So yeah, that was where I was the time that I knew. Uh, what about you, George? Um, <laughs> it. Okay, I'm gonna share a short story. Okay, so okay. absolutely. Um, I, I I knew there was something different about me growing up, but I didn't know exactly what that was until I was about maybe maybe nine or ten. Mm -hmm. Um, my uncle, who was in the army, came home to visit us, and he brought a friend of his home with us, uh, who was also in the army with him. And, you know, they were, my uncle's a little bit younger, and I'm sorry, a little bit older than I am. So he's like maybe, maybe 10 years older than I am. And uh, he brought his uh, friend home with them and his friend was using our bathroom mm -hmm. and he got out the shower and I saw some bubbly cheeks <laughs> and I was like, my head was like, what the fuck is that? My dick was like, what the fuck is that? So then I kind of knew what that was because I knew I was different, but I didn't know how that translated sexually. Do you know right, what I mean? Right. So I was like, okay, that's what that is. Gotcha. And then there was a moment of like, you know, 
denying that and trying to hide that. And then as I became older, I became more accepting to it for myself. Because you kind of you have to come out to yourself first. Yeah. Before you come out to other people. So that was like the trigger. So well, well don't jump, jump too far ahead because we're gonna be tackling that too. So. Oh, sorry. You, you know who I am. <laughs> I was like, he didn't he didn't push it on to adulthood already. I'm like pause. Right, but. right. But that's when I first realized what that difference was. I, I mean, I knew I was different, but I didn't know exactly what that meant. What that meant, know? yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, what about you, BHW? Um, I was, I guess, delayed. I was uh, like 15, 16, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I think now looking back, I think that there probably were other moments or probably things that I guess I didn't like realize in the moment. But um, yeah, I didn't start thinking about guys or men like sexually till like 15, 16. Okay. And it's kind of funny because I like had been like joked on, picked about whatever for that, like before then in like middle school. But I was so interested in girls and I just wasn't dated, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess initially, so to not jump too far ahead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, Mike, what about you? <clears throat> um, I don't know, it's kind of twofold for me because I remember like my earliest memories of like thinking about gay and all that kind of stuff is probably in elementary school. <clears throat> and I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know where it came from, probably one of my high moments, but like, um, I remember being in like elementary school around that time. And for some reason I was with like uh, my sisters and a group of friends and we were in an apartment complex and I don't know how we got to the point we got to, but um, we were looking in someone's window and there were two men on a couch and like one of the men was in briefs and then there was like um, the other black guy. And I was like, oh, this is, this is interesting. But everybody else thought like this was funny. So I haven't fleshed out the full memory, but I'm thinking it was kind of like, let's go see like these gay, gay guys or whatever. But for me, I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really in on it. But I like to say that it started for me where I knew was probably sixth grade track season, Scott. Um, and <laughs> I was just, I saw him and I was like, wow, like he was maybe about six two, like brown skin, beautiful, long legs. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I want him. Yep. Yes, I want him. Yeah. <laughs> track season was fun. You ran track too? I did. I'm a quarter horse. Oh, okay. Ankle leg, four by four, 400, 200, you know. Track solidified it for me too. I ran track too. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm on the deep side now. So yeah. Eyes and ass. <laughs> All I heard was quarter horse. And I was like, I need, Listen. I need to go somewhere else right now. <laughs> I'm about the two of them talk about it. Okay. <laughs> the sports athletics, it's just not mine. No. I mean, it was that. the best place to be when you knew that you I mean come on track you had compression shorts you had onesies you had jock straps we used to practice with the football team it was great time. I can imagine well for for both of you being in track I want to ask you something something I've never asked anyone before but of course being in our community it's something that comes up all the time so I'll just ask you why do you believe that that is seen as like the the ultimate gay sport so more often than not, when somebody mentions track, they always assume, oh, okay, well, of course you're gay. Of course you would be into track. Why do you think that is? 
Because I never really excelled. I mean, my brother was the, the athletic one. Mm-hmm. You know, he did wrestling, football, and all that. And I never really excelled at any of that. So as far as like a, a sport, I was like, I like to run. You know what I mean? So that's, that's what I gravitate towards. And mm-hmm. then there's just a certain grace to track, I think. I mean, there's a certain beauty to it. And then, of course, the bodies. You know, you can't you know forget about that. Right. But um, <laughs> that's just kind of where I, what, what I personally gravitate towards, you know, yeah. so. Because I, I know from the outside looking in, often people mention exactly what it is that Mike just said, the thighs, the ass, you know. Oh, absolutely. Of course, you know, queer men will immediately be uh, drawn to that. However, a good number of queer men when it comes to sports, that is the sport they decide to get into. Um, so that's the reason. I, wonder, I, don't, I don't know. I think there's a certain homoeroticism, though, in all sports. I think... If we're thinking of like masculinity and patriarchy, I mean, it would be probably baseball, America's pastime, and probably football, and then maybe like basketball, which are kind of the top sports. So I also think of like in terms of uh, exertion, people feel like track is not that, you know, physically uh, challenging because you're quote unquote just running. Oh, you but know. it is though. Right. And so right. I think in terms of to me, I mean, when you have men in jock straps and tights and tight fitting clothing, and then imagine like how short the shorts were in basketball. And I'm like, your nuts are practically hanging out. So it's always been interesting to me, but I like how people equate gay people in track. But I mean, basketball was fun, didn't last very long in that. Mm-hmm. Football was like interesting. My mother never really wanted me to play. Um, and I really didn't necessarily want to play any sport, but my father, <laughs> we'll talk about that later, being my father, was like, um, you know, you should play a sport. And my sister was in, you know, still is pretty much a big influence in my life, but she was awesome at track, great athlete. And I saw her and I was like, okay, well, this will be less of my mom who, you know, had three kids and yeah. she could drop us both off at track practice. So my sister played basketball, my sister was in track and I was the creative artistic one. So I was like, well, what would be less kind of like taxing on my mama maybe at times? And track was fun. It it looked fun. It was low exertion, (laughs) so it seemed. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, so that is my response to your question because I always think that football is just extremely gay and you slapping each other's on the ass and we're in the locker room with jock straps on. It just, it gives me a better fantasy than, you know. There's emphasis on the jock straps though in all of these sports, hilarious to me. <laughs> um, but I think though, kind of going with your point though, I think it's it's the least um, aggressive or the least, you know, masculine. So I might be part of it as well as like, you know, some course football is about tackling each other. You're getting that out there, you know, basketball somebody's foul or whatever else, they tend to be very passionate or a bunch of fights happen on the court as well. Whereas with track, you normally don't see it. It's just like everybody's literally in their own lane or supposed to be, you know, and it just moves as it is. Track was actually the only one for me that I never tried. Uh, Baseball, I love to play. Like I even now, I still love to play baseball. I can't stand watching it. Watching it bores me. I've been listen. To, um, I've been to multiple baseball games, and I find myself walking around the stadium instead of watching. Um, basketball, I ended up liking to watch more than playing, uh, mostly because. And I mean, I shouldn't allow my height to have anything to do with it. There are people who, you know, play basketball that were short and could still be able to, you know, um, get three pointers. But I ended up liking to watch it more. Now, football, I loved. I'm not a big fan of watching it. Mostly, it'll be the Super Bowl for me. 
but um, actually like playing football, that was a lot of fun. Like all the way to the point where I, what was it? I think my fondest memory, we were on a tennis court and it had <clears throat> snowed and iced over. So we're playing football on the ice. And I look back at the kid that I used to be like, that was fun being tackled and all that stuff was a lot of fun. I think that happened to me at 12 years old. By the time I got to 14, don't come anywhere near me with that stuff. Like, and so that was an interesting transition as far as sports. Like I was the kid that was out playing in the woods with all my friends getting busted knees and all that stuff. And then there was a transition to a point where I couldn't imagine doing any of that stuff anymore. You know, um, Deb and I went out to have a picnic at Piedmont Park and I'm sitting there the whole time noticing the slightest ant that would crawl on <laughs> onto the blanket. And I'd be like, oh my God, I can't stand insects. And when I was a kid, it was like, none of that mattered to me. You know, it was like, it didn't matter what bugs were on me, none of that stuff. So just the the evolution of a person, you know, as you age has, has always been so interesting to me. So listening to you guys talk about sports and just imagining where I was then as to where I am now, don't you dare ask me to play football. <laughs> but I can imagine doing that shit now, though, because I mean, it's like I remember like in high school having to go to Burger King to work my little part time job, mm -hmm. then going to track practice, then doing homework. I'm like, how how did I fucking do that? You know what I mean? But I guess you do it when, you know, you don't yeah. really know anything else. So absolutely. Yeah, that's just another evolution of like just getting older. It's like, yeah, if you can have that. I'm not doing that anymore. So great segue. Great segue as far as, you know, not really knowing anything else getting comfortable in your skin and you know that's that's a journey this can take us from childhood all the way until now but i wanted to ask when did you first begin now even if it's a journey that one of you is still going through when did you first begin to take the steps of really becoming comfortable in your sexuality when do you first remember that starting I'm not gonna go first this time, so I'm gonna call somebody out of nowhere. So if you need time to think about it, I can always edit that part out. <laughs> so the first person I'll go with will be VHW. The pressure. <laughs> um, so when do we, so essentially though, when did we first begin taking the steps to get comfortable with our sexualities with the question? Yeah, yeah. So, so when did you, because of course, you know that there are some people who are yeah. at a, you know, a specific age where they're like, well, I'm still struggling with it. You know, yeah. but there are, there are areas of who I am that I accept a little bit more, you know. So when can you remember a, a point, a year, a month or something like that where you were like, you know, this is this is OK. I shouldn't, you know, beat myself up so much. Well, no, I think that I like initially like the, the space of like self-acceptance that took like about sales 15, 16, so about a year. But all of that was like internal. I wasn't talking mm -hmm. to anybody else about it. And I wasn't, you know doing anything didn't like date or mess with any guys or anything it was just all a, a long process then but i think even though just probably being though comfortable and at least even saying it to others that came a few years later in college with just getting friends and then finally having people i could open up with and share and whatever else so i i guess between 17 and like 19. okay yeah do you remember like the first person you had a conversation with outside of your family in regards to your sexuality well, didn't have my family first, so that came later. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, the first person, I think a friend in high school, okay. I think. So I think I did tell one person in high school, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was a, I mean, which is good, it was a warm reception. For the most part, I normally got a warm reception yeah. to the family. But you know, everybody else seemed to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Mike? 
Um, I would, I would probably say for me at 13, I came out at pretty much around that age. Um, I was pulled out and forced to confess um, that I was playing with the boy parts um, at that time. So I think even in that, for me, it was kind of, um, it was interesting because being pulled out, I kind of got confronted by my father to say like, are you gay? Do you like, do you like boys or whatever? And I was like, I don't really know. I mean, I like both at this, at this point. Right. And so, um, like it was very like, it, you, you is or you ain't. Like ain't no in between, it's indecisive, ain't gonna work. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I'm gay then. I guess, you know, we'll just make it easier for you. If that helps you sleep better at night, then I'll be gay. You know, very defensive, very, um, you know, just like whatever. Cause we were already having our own things. Um, but even through high school, I was still uh, from, and that point was middle school, but even through high school, I was still like, I'm involved with girls, um, you know, all in that. And then kind of when I got my walking papers, my high school diploma, I was like, uh, <laughs> if I went to college, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so I can be whoever I want to be. I can do whatever I want to do. And I think college kind of gave me a little bit of a breather. And um, I think that was kind of like the first time I was able to be like, um, yeah, I ain't, I ain't doing women. I ain't doing y'all as much. So let's go with these dudes. <laughs> let's go with these dudes. Yeah. Where the jockstraps you know? at? You know? Where the Florida goons at? Where the dreads at? Hey, legit. Not the dreads. <laughs> Growth, right? No, I we wouldn't say I wouldn't say dreads are a bad thing. I am from Florida, no, like so it's, it's a certain it's a certain aesthetic. I think kind of in my bird days, my my 17, 18, 19, I wanted me a little Florida goon, little, you know. So and, you're no longer a bird, is what you're saying. And so <clears throat> I like to believe I'm a phoenix from the ashes. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I think that was kind of my whole aesthetic at the point. I was going for that whole. Wait, wait, wait. Your, your, your whole aesthetic is what you said, right? Yes. I thought you said ho ass. I was like, oh. <laughs> is that what you think about me? Is it? I, once again, I tried to be PG, y'all. I'm joking. Um, but no, the aesthetic, I think, for me in my mind at that time was I want a man. I want a man. Yeah. So. Uh, conversation. For me, it would be, I guess, maybe a year after Mike. Like, I I was comfortable in who I was, but, you know, before that. Uh, however, as far as the, the freedom to be comfortable, you know, so I, I guess for me, it was less being comfortable. I was never really uncomfortable, but an opportunity to be open about it, you know? So that happened at 14 years old when I first entered the School for the Arts. Um, when I went to the School for the Arts in my ninth grade year, I was introduced to people who weren't ashamed of who they were. You know, before that, I was messing around with boys who were like, you better not tell anybody, you know? Um, so that's what I was used to. I was used to, we're doing this, and then afterwards, there'll be a threat and, you know, all this other stuff, got you. But. <laughs> to meet the first person in high school who was like, what do you mean ashamed? <laughs> what, what is there to be ashamed of? Cause you know, we, we'd kissed and I'm just expecting for so-and-so and so. He was like, okay, so when we gonna meet up again? 
excuse me now so it, it became this been a good kiss world in this high school where it's like, <laughs> so we can all make out and there's no big deal you know um so it was it was refreshing it was refreshing to no longer have to feel as though you had to hide anything um i also believe that that high school played a really big part in making me so comfortable in who I was. So that when it got around to, you know, my father and my mother asking me about it, that's what made it so easy for me to just say, because it was 14 where I really, I truly became comfortable in my skin with it, but 17 was when I liberated my spirit to them. So yeah, by that point, I was like, I'm all good. Uh, what about you, George? Um, It was around the same time, I guess it was around toward graduating high school around 17, 18, I was just like, you just get to a point where you're just tired of like, you know, trying to put on that role. I mean, it was the worst role ever played. I mean, no one believed it, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I think uh, my mom found, I think I shared this in a previous podcast I did with you guys. My mom found a note mm-hmm. that someone written had written to me and um, it was not innocent, you know, but it was, but it wasn't, but it was certainly something that you, would not write to a friend, you know what I mean? And she questioned me about it. And I just told her, you know, that I'm gay. And it, it she accepted it, but it was a hard time for both of us because I think parents come out with their children as well. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. So it was a hard time, but um, I just got tired of like around 17, 18, I got tired of like, you know, putting on some sort of facade that no one believed, you know what I mean? And just kind of living for myself. And so that's, around the time that I kind of had that self-acceptance and, you know, told people and reached out to certain people yeah. that I knew would be accepting. And um, it just made me more comfortable with who I was. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next question is going to start with you, George. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that, that this question is from a, a mental and emotional point of view. And... By all means, you know, you can you can choose a situation that is kind of deep for you. You can make it pretty light. It's completely up to you. But we've all, at least I assume, we've all dealt with at least one important person in our life that didn't start out truly accepting us. So, you know, for the, the Misfit Universe listening right now, and again, this is a safe space, if we could, you know, share a story about, it doesn't matter how lengthy, short, long, um, a story of what it was like with that particular person or people in dealing with the situation of them not truly accepting or holding space for you in your queer journey. So what was that like for you first, George? Um, well, I will say that now they're accepting, but I mean, I, my brother and my mother weren't accepting at first because I don't know if they knew how to deal with it. Right. So um, just living in a house, living in that environment was kind of difficult in the beginning because they just didn't get it. And also, um, oh man, I wasn't expecting this question, I'm sorry. Uh, You're good, you're good. Well, there was a a moment where my brother confronted me about being gay Mm -hmm. and my mother was right there. It was like a, a, it was a, it was a a big argument or whatever. And um, I just came out and said, yeah, I am gay. This is who I am. I accept it. And I, you know, I'm not going to hide from anyone anymore. And so that was, to me, the turning point where I could, like, express who I was. They heard it. 
there was no shame in it anymore, you know, and um, I didn't really care what the repercussions of that would be anymore. I didn't, I was just, you know, trying to free myself. Yeah. And, um, it, it, you know, that was, a, that was a tough time, but we kind of got through that though. So, yeah, but that was, but they're accepting of it now, but in the beginning stages, it was, it wasn't easy at all. So. And that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, so where do you exist with them now? Now it's, it's good. Now it's good. They, um, they don't ask me a lot of questions about it or whatever like that, but they do accept it and they know where I am and they accept me for who I am. So okay. it's good. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, what about you, Mike? Yeah, my father, I think, um, which is always kind of hard for me to talk about because it's still very much black Southern Texan, Floridian, um, like what stays in this house. I mean, what goes on this house stays in this house, right? With most black families still. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would definitely say my relationship with my father, because probably from that point of like saying it out loud and getting caught, well, no, let me take it back. So, um, I would say probably growing up, you know, um, I would, I would say growing up before it was official and I, and I said it, there were, there were things that he would say to me, um, growing up, you talk like a girl you act like a girl do you want to be a girl stop hanging around girls you need boyfriends <laughs> um and and certain things like that oh look at me now um but uh but so there were so there were certain things like he would say um and i remember one example and this is very interesting now when it comes to my voice is i remember like uh growing up my dad told me that i sounded like uh michael jackson Mm -hmm. like and Tevin Campbell like, like my speaking voice and we all know Michael Jackson's speaking voice of hi I'm Michael you know that kind of stuff so my dad was kind of using it as a, like a jokingly thing to me and I'm like well huh, look at it now so um so I think prior to that it was kind of alluding to the fact that whatever of him knowing and trying to toughen me up and all of these kind of things and then um afterward receiving the confirmation it was even worse it was um you ain't no woman you got a dick between your legs act like it um and just certain other things that he would say um as i was growing up we'll just leave it as, at that yeah, yeah um so i think that that was the hardest and i think um that was probably the one that hurt the most of course because these are um the people that brought you into this world so you feel like these are the people who love me, right? Yeah. Um, and and this is what he thinks about me. These are the hopeful things that he's saying to me. And this is, um, you know, how it's gonna be. And so internalizing those things and believing those things and just saying, well, if this is how you want me to be, well, I'm gonna I'm a do it times 10. Okay, yeah. well, and you know, I realized that that might not have been the best thing for me to do at 14 and 15, year old, 15 years old. Um, because I went through like so many different rebellious phases, but one of them was like, oh, you think I'm a woman? Let's go for it. Like, let's do this thing then. You know, I'm gonna be the best one you've ever seen. And uh, and where we are now, I think, um, has, we have really worked on it a lot. I can say um, probably post 30, I think it's also one of the first times I think he actually looked at me as an adult. Um, because in my twenties, I, I did a lot of things that were childish and, you know, making, making phone calls home to be like, I need you help me. 
um, dropping out of college the first time, moving back home with my parents. So I think post 30 was kind of like his first time of me, of recognizing me as a man, you know, and having these heart to heart conversations. And that was kind of like the first time I was able to understand his origin story and his background and his relationship or, his, you know, with his father and the things that shaped him and who he was and why he believed the things that he believed and kind of seeing it from a father's standpoint, not saying that it was right um, and not agreeing with him, but kind of understanding his humanity a little better um, on those things of having two sons and feeling like he failed and, um, you know, all of those having those conversations. And so I would say that the fact that he actually met my ex and he was cordial and like he spoke and welcomed him into his home when he could have been like, um, don't bring that into my house because there was a time I remember with him growing up. It's like, you bet not ever bring no man to my doorstep and tell me you wouldn't know whether, you know, man. And now I think post 30 for him to be able to kind of see that and we can sort of talk about it. And I, I getting more comfortable with opening up and talking to him about it is um, a lot of therapy. Um, but I think as well for him of realizing like how his relationship with his father was and not wanting to continue kind of that cycle of things. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's turning for the better, you know, and I'm about to be 35. So maybe in the last five years, you know, it's kind of turned to more of an acceptance or like, I'm just going to have to deal with this thing because it ain't going nowhere. It's, it's past the phase. Right. Um, but yes, a lot of therapy, messy, hard, continuous work on um, that relationship. So, yeah. Uh, first, for for you and George, um, thank you for sharing your stories. Uh, I'm saying that now because I'm about to go next. So, <laughs> of course, the same thing to BHW as well. But you brought up therapy, and I think that that's very important. Um, not just because, of course, you know, there's the mental health podcast, but also because I believe when you're going through, especially when the, the journey of queerness and helping to understand yourself. Um, I think therapy is beautiful to just be able to have that as an opportunity to talk things out. And, you know, I'll, there are some people who see therapy as I'll talk to somebody and they'll talk back at me for me to get the answers. However, in a lot of therapy sessions, at least when they're done right, <laughs> you will talk and often have your aha moments yourself while talking to this person. And that's the reason why it's so important to have it, you know? Um, <laughs> It's called homework, people, which you which you probably won't be able to, to see. But yes, homework. I have books from therapy homework. So what, what was the name was, of the book? Just so you can share that with the uh, the Misfit Universe. Listen, I was about to get in the name paying me for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, this may be helpful for somebody. It's called Toxic Parents Overcoming Their Hurtful Legacy and Reclaiming Your Life. Okay. Um, and but yes, it's it's a good book. I got in therapy. It's homework as well because she ain't talking back to me. She ain't giving me the answers. It's a lot of that's what makes it messy though because you have to go to those places and you have to feel safe and vulnerable to go to those places and know that you're gonna come out from it. Absolutely. So I did too. I, I was like, okay, are they gonna give me the answer of like what is going through? And it's like, no. You talk to them for like 50 minutes and then the rest of it is the work on yourself that they help and guide you and hold your hand through. But sometimes I'll be like, just tell me what to do. And it's I like, well, what do you want to do, Michael? Yeah. And it's like. That 
that was probably our our biggest question when we were going through class was you know they, they were teaching us you have to speak back what it is they're saying to you so if mike was to say to me i'm feeling sad today we're supposed to say so you're feeling sad today and we were like <laughs> do, people are gonna catch an attitude with us hello andy like bitch i just said i'm sad like right. you know how much this bcbs copay gonna be what you mean <laughs> why am i sad but but you know it, it works of course it's not just that it's not that direct and then that's all that it is and of course with each person therapist life coach they're going to be you know they're going to do it in their own way yeah but that does play a big part in it it's not supposed to be about giving you all the answers that wouldn't really it wouldn't make it your journey if that were the case you know um you're not really able to to dig deep into your story if you have somebody else on the outside being able to dig for you so yeah um with my journey, it was a little bit more subtle because my mom and dad told me from the beginning, they love me, they accept me. And this is when I, what I say when I say it's subtle. And at some point my mother will hear this podcast, I gather, but you know, you gotta speak in your truth. I don't think I've ever said this out loud before. My mother and father told me they accept me and they love me. But my mom also followed up with, and I took it differently when I was younger. Well, it wasn't until I was older that I realized my mother said, and because we accept you, you don't have to tell anybody else. And in my mind, the way I heard it was, she's telling me that the two of them are good enough. The fact that they're good enough, I don't need to, you know, liberate myself for anybody else. As long as I did with them, it's fine. It wasn't until I was older that I realized she didn't want other people to know, you know. Um, to her credit, over the years, my mom has done a lot of studying. She's one of those television, you know, P-flag moms and all that stuff. Like, she goes and she does her research. She's given me some of my best arguments against people, but it was a journey, you know? So one of the, another one of the subtle things is that though they accepted me, they had to go through their own journey of not making homophobic jokes anymore. So I'll never forget there was one time I was coming downstairs and she and my sister were joking about something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was homophobic. I found myself stopping at the part of the steps where you know how the wall is right before you become visible. I stopped right there and turned myself around and went back upstairs again. Cause I was like, I don't even know what to say to them in this moment. Because at that point it had been at least six months since I came out. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. You know, um, the thing that's funny is that my father, that was never an issue with my dad. My dad and I have never had one situation concerning my sexuality. And the reason why I say it's funny is because the black queer boy, that, that was damn near unheard of. Usually it's the father that has the biggest issue, you know? So for my father, I, you know, I think back now at 41, we've never had a problem with my sexuality, at least not outwardly. He's never verbally said anything. Um, but with my mom, and it's probably because I was around her more, you know, um, my father was able to kind of look from, you know, the outside a lot of times and go through his own process. Um, so more, more often than not, when I saw him, I also think that my dad, because of our whole journey of him being an ad and all that stuff and wanting to better his life, he probably was like, this is the last thing I need to do is shame him for that in the times where I get to see him. But like, I was in a relationship with an older man. I was 18. He was 28. And there was a point where he was staying with us. And so, you know, on one hand, my mom is phenomenal because most parents would have never let that happen. Um, you know, but 
during that time when people would be like, so who's that guy that's staying there? He would be my friend. There's one of my friends that I hang out with that was staying there. And in my mind, I'm like, you're letting this man stay with us. Why isn't he my boyfriend? <laughs> you know, like, why is he just a friend? Um, that was her journey of still getting to a point where she could be comfortable. But it was those little things that I guess, I don't know if she realized that I noticed or not, but something very significant to me that happened with my nephew. My nephew just turned 21 on the end of last month. He was, I think, maybe 14, 15 at this time when it happened. I was in a relationship and he went to work out with me and my boyfriend. And he called him my boyfriend. He was like, if your boyfriend don't get here so we can go to the gym. And it clicked. Before he said that, no one in my family had ever called the person I was with my boyfriend ever. And I think I had mentally become so used to it that it hadn't even dawned on me that it was never used before. But him being who he is and the age he is, he said it so regularly that it hit. And so he saw it in my face and he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, you're the first, and you know, he and I can talk like that. I was like, you're the first person to ever say boyfriend in this family. <laughs> Aries, of course, he was like, I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> I was like, and there we have it, yes. <laughs> but it's just, it's just stuff like that, you know? Um, my family has always been very welcoming to the people that, you know, I bring around them. It's never been a situation of them being outwardly uncomfortable. It's the little stuff. And, you know, and I wanted to share that with the Misfit universe because it won't always be as obvious as we believe it's going to be. What do you call it? Microaggressions and things of that nature or gaslighting. Um, so it'll be things that you don't really realize. And you're like, hold up, wait a minute. Like, what's going on? You know? Um, so, yeah, that was that was my journey. What about you, BHW? Follow up all these amazing stories. No. Um... Let me see. Uh, it's be easier for my dad. So my dad and I have never necessarily been close. Uh, my parents um, have been together my whole life, whatever. We just created relationships with both parents. So we've never necessarily been close. So I wasn't like the athletic kid. I wasn't at the time, you know, the, out there and whatever. So it wasn't necessarily more of a, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. I think maybe when I was maybe elementary school trying to encourage sports, but he learned very early on that that's not my thing. And I'm like, I'm just like, if I don't want to do it, it's really not going to happen. Like, I didn't learn how to ride a bike till like middle school. I got tired of like falling down and him being like aggressive. I was like, fuck this shit. Like, no. <laughs> so I didn't learn till like 11. Like, I just was not riding a bike. This is not what we're, not what we're doing. So I think with sports, it probably was the same way. Like, it's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. So me coming out or similar to being pulled out, dragged out, um, I was 21, I think, 21, 22. I was like away at school. Um, my thing was like, you hear all these horror stories, people get kicked out and it's all this dramatic stuff. And you always hope your family is never that family, but I'm like, well, they didn't think their family was gonna be that family. So it's like, you know, I'm gonna go away, go to school. I'll live my life at school. And I'll graduate with my own place. And then I say something, it's not gonna really matter. It's gonna be on my own by then. It didn't happen. So, <laughs> um, my dad found an old conversation. I'm like, I think I've told this story before. He found an old conversation between me of like one of my best friends at the time of us talking about guys or whatever. So he was like, yeah, because I was just looking through your phone. He was he was being nosy. I think he was trying to look for me talking to a girl because I never brought anybody home. But it's not what we found. He found a conversation between me and my friend. 
Um, and so he was like, he was mad and felt away, like, call me now, we gotta talk about this. He told my mom, she called me. Like all day I was ignoring the call, so I didn't want to talk about it. I was like, whatever. So she was very hurt and dramatic and it was all about her and we need to pray. And I'm like, sis, but you don't even go to church, I do. Like, how are we, how are we quoting scripture right now, ma'am? Like, like I'm active and you're not. Like, let's not even, <laughs> let's not do this. So, um, but with my dad though, we he was like explosive, I guess, that weekend or whatever. And then we didn't really talk about it for a while. Then later we had like one more conversation about it. Um, he was pretty much like, you know, I feel like it's because you were always around women and you're always around your mom's side and family and blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, okay, so you're clearly missing this. So I don't even, I'm not gonna engage. Cause again, we have our own issues outside of my sexuality. So, but we haven't talked about it again since then. That was probably, four or five years ago. So yeah, I don't know. Um, but then my mom though, she definitely has come around and is better. And you know, if you're gonna bring somebody home, you can bring someone and blase, blase, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just, it is the firm. We don't necessarily talk about it because I'm still, I'm just the type, I don't bring up people to my family until something serious. Mm -hmm. So there's still been nobody I've mentioned to them. Um, so that has not been like my time frame of seriousness to mention, but um, I think she'd be better now. I think um, be way more accepting and understanding. It was also kind of a thing like when I first came out, she was like, but you've said X, Y, Z things or have made jokes or whatever else. But it's probably like, I don't know if I did, not that I could remember, but more so like, if this is already the environment though, let me not say something too far that you're looking at me like, well, why are you you know, against this joke? Or why do you feel away? Why can't we say whatever, you know? So not even necessarily like participate, but probably just, I guess, um, quietly supporting or not trying to rock the boat kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. so again. Thank, you. Thank you for that. Um, so the next question comes directly to you. And so we're going to go away from family now. Um, okay. And so this question is about our sexual experiences. Lord. So, uh, <laughs> things are a little, I mean, it can be. Some, some women are into it. So we can't just say this is just from the male perspective. Uh, but I often have to explain to a lot of my cishet friends that we lose more than one. Me. And um, <laughs> what was that? Look well, I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear that. What was that? <laughs> I said, I often have to explain to my cishet friend that queer men lose more than just one virginity. Okay. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, uh, starting with BHW, what were those experiences like for you? <laughs> um so there was some there was somebody in high school i think it was kind of similar to what you were saying earlier of like we'll do this but don't tell anybody whatever kind of like that okay so um there was somebody in high school and we were texting and honestly probably my first real quote-unquote relationship whatever because we text every day all throughout the day it was very flirtatious whatever else um so we met up one day we were out of school for something no i went over to his house mm -hmm. Uh, this first time oral sex and you know whatever else we did we didn't fully complete you know um, a few weeks later he was in the back seat of his car you know and things were bent over and places were entered and you know come on back while the books were screened and everything you know it was hey our tall asses in the back seat of the two door <laughs> Toyota whatever it was child I just don't understand but we made it work <laughs> we made it work um. So that was the first time I bottomed. And then the first time I topped was probably like years later. I don't know, from Jack. Some Jack took up, I don't know. 
I love how one is so detailed. And the other one just like because I mean, but I think because one though, like we had known each other for months. We were saying interacting for months and months and months. It was all this build up. It's just like let's just get it, you know, whatever. But I also think too for me, I don't. I definitely don't enjoy topping as much. Right. So um, it didn't become memorable for me for a minute. So you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm just gonna always remember <laughs> all this detail, the back seat and all that stuff. Talk to Jack, child. It was yeah, we was at his apartment, you know, he went over and we did what we did. You know, hey. <laughs> I got better. I love <laughs> I have. <laughs> what what about you, George? <laughs> um well, I lost my virginity to a woman first. True. Uh, okay. It was a prom date, very typical. Um, Come and on. I want to apologize to her because it was probably the worst lay she's ever had in her life. Um, but then when I did that, I knew, because I've had experiences with men prior to that. Yeah. So that was solidified. I was like, oh yeah, I know my bread is buttered. I, I don't want, I don't want fish. Um, <laughs> oh God, can I say? I can't say that. Oh God! Why can't you? What? What is it with you're, you and Mike? You're gonna get letters. Um, <laughs> that was that was the first experience. The second experience, I was seventeen or maybe eighteen, and I met a guy at a club, and we, you know, we were dating. But the thing is, we didn't really do penetrative sex in the beginning. It was all topical, but you know. At that age, you know, you're, you know, you're making love to your man, you know what I mean? So, you know, that's what it is. But eventually we did um, have, you know, penetrative sex and that's, that was my first experience with a man. So, yeah. Gotcha. It, it's funny because I said, you know, queer men lose uh, more than one virginity. And I'm sitting here listening to you and I was like, what? that that's true, but it doesn't have to be the ones we assume that it is. Yeah. <laughs> That it is was very true. <laughs> with with some people, it's two. With some people, it's three. You know. Let's uh, listen. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that because that that's real. I wouldn't have even thought about that. I wouldn't have even thought. Yeah. About uh, what about you, Mike? Um. Well, my first experiences with boys at that time was like traumatic, so we'll skip past that part. But, um. Oh, I'm trying to remember. It's such a list. Um, <laughs> Come on. Come on, such a list. <laughs> Just been all around the city. Um, <laughs> I'm deflecting now. I'm deflecting people. Um, um, oh, my God. I'm trying to... I'm really trying to remember. I, I would think probably um, past that would be experiences with girls at that age, which was really great. And then um, probably my senior year of high school, my senior year of high school, because because I think um, layers and context, I think after like the trauma happened, um, I was very like, I don't want anything kind of to do with this at all. Went through my own kind of a period of getting to know myself, reclaiming myself. And then um, I just always heard in the back of my mind of like, if you get somebody pregnant, you cannot leave Jacksonville. And I was always like that. And, my, and of course, my parents instilled like the fear of God in me of bringing a baby home and all this stuff. So fast forward to I kind of think when I was 17, I was like, well, I guess, 
Like, I guess this is the time to do it, um, literally. And so both, I think both of my experiences were when I was a senior in high school and it was this whole big production, no less dramatic than I am, of course. <laughs> and I was nervous because I was skipping school and um, I was like, oh, I'm a badass. And it was cool, it was cool. Um, and then I think afterward, well, it was cool. It was a cool time. Um, I feel it. That's a, like mine. Yeah. It was like, Virgo. It, right, right. It was, it was like, but Virgo, no, it was cool because think about it as well. Like at that age, I didn't kind of know the mechanics, you know, now being a grown ass, grown ass man, I just feel like, you know, it's great when you know how the body works, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> Ugh. I'm saying, but for the time though, was it right. like very enjoyable? Was it, you know, or right. it was for me because I think as well, it was kind of like after what had previously happened, I wanted to have this experience of like wanting it to be memorable and wanting to do all of these things. So it was a whole setup, right? It was like the whole anticipation of like, I'm this badass because I'm in school and doing stuff made it really fun. But the mechanics really? of it kind of like, it's the mechanics too. This like right. you know because when you yeah. look back on it, it's like I wasn't even really fucking back then. So like, what was the whole deal? I mean, you know, just as far as like being able to you know pleasure somebody, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it was like I don't, I really don't know what I'm doing here, and this is like yeah, yeah. So it was cool, and I also think like my experience of like uh, losing my virginity with the. Um, it was also like I really don't know what I'm doing, and this is probably how people like get pregnant because I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, condoms, why? Um, but uh, but uh, um, yeah. So, and I think that was just a cool experience as well. But I think uh, I was still emotionally probably detached um, of that, and and that's as well a piece that I'm working on in therapy because sometimes. Because of that, I feel like my body's not mine, and mm -hmm. I and I sometimes feel like I, yeah, I'm I'm still working through a lot of that in therapy. So um, yeah, it was cool. It was a it's it's a cool experience. But now, like I say, it's a little bit better when you know the mechanics, you know how the body works, what you like and what you definitely don't like. You're seasoned. You're, You're no seasoned. longer using Astroglide or KY uh, jelly, and it's like <laughs> premium. <laughs> I mean, when I was 17 or 18, you know, because at that time too, it was still like, oh my God, I'm like going in the store, trying to like buy the equipment, you know, and trying to do it where people aren't looking at you, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, and that's a whole conversation in and of itself for like the people who are on the receiving end of like that first time of like, having to go to a store at that age and like, oh my God, I have to buy a fleet or I have to buy an enema or, you know, even knowing how to properly handle the mechanics of that. So mm -hmm. all of that was under that same umbrella. Like, I really don't know what I'm doing, but it looked really fun when I, it took me 30 minutes to download this two minute clip on the internet. So I wanted to be like them, you know? <laughs> First of oh. all, shout out to anybody around that age who was fleeting. I I was not aware of any of that until I was much older. So I was I learned in college, but yeah, not my first time now. Well, those first couple times, it was the same guy, but I didn't know. Listen, to this day, I've still never used it before. So, <laughs> like you, 
Blessings. Blessings yes. unto you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, Listen. So someone should do a whole podcast just about that though. About what? The fact that I've never used it? No, 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 no. It's about the, pro- the oh, process. The process. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. People don't know. I just found out a year ago. Get out of my face. No, no, no. What a year ago. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. I'm like, there's infographics. We've talked about it in movies now. I'm like, I, um, so Mike and George made me feel bad because they were talking about, you know, you, if you don't know, you know, the mechanics and everything, you know, you don't know what you're doing. And I don't know if y'all saw my face, but I was covering my face like this because I was like, I started messing around with feuds in like the one digits. So by the time I lost my virginity, I knew what all of the mechanics was. So I'm listening to y'all like- Scorpio. Right. <laughs> I was like, I feel real hoish. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah. Hi. Um, Cause like it was, I don't know, like sex has always been so natural for me. Like, and I think that's the reason why I've always been so picky about my partners is because like, I, it's always, it's, it's so beyond just something to get a nut. Hence the reason why, and I think I told you this BHW, hope this isn't too much information for the misfits right now. I'm going on four weeks, four weeks of not orgasming. Did four you not tell me that? But go wow. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> do you need, do you need you some do? help? Are you? Yeah, he, needs he needs some help. He needs some help. What? What a question! What a question! <laughs> four weeks? I'd be on the news. Yeah, four weeks. Um, <laughs> this isn't this isn't new to me. Even going one week is regular for me. You know, um, but it's because you know it's like okay, so it's not something that I have to do all the time. It's not something it has to be often. You know. Um, but when I lost my virginity, I was 16 and he was 14. You wouldn't have known. Um, I went to his house and his mom wasn't there and we were just chilling out at first. And he said, you know, would you like to experience me? And I was like, what do you mean by that? Like we had already been messing around as far as kissing and all that stuff. Um, I think I was, I <laughs> 14, is... he said that he had game like that at 14? Oh no, you don't, I haven't even gotten to the game yet. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to the game yet. So, you know, we did a little kissing, all that stuff. I believe I had eaten him a few times, but I hadn't gone past that. So he was like, do you want to experience me? And I was like, what do you mean by I'm, that? I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> this will get him, this will get him, okay? He was like, um, no, do you want to fuck me? And I was like, I've never done it before. And he was like, keep in mind, 14, 16. He was like, don't worry about it, I got you. So he laid me on the floor, took off my clothes and everything stood over top of me, lowered down. It was Vaseline, mind you. Vaseline is what we used. I'll never forget it. 14 and 16, I guess. Also yeah. because he and I are still friends. Right, right. It makes sense, right? I'm so Queen Helene, I used it. it up. Oh, no, not Queen Helene. I'm so done with Mike right now. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know. Luke, I keep Vaseline on standby. And, and then slid down on top of me. And so it started in his bedroom. We went to the kitchen, did in the kitchen, went into the living room, Where went people the eat. Room, then went back to his bedroom. Then he had the nerve to say to me, I will never forget this. He was like, would you like to see it from the back? I was like, see it from the back? So he literally turned around while I was inside of him 
and wrote me what, what do they call it cow something cowgirl cowgirl cow cow yeah i was 14. my god then i found out and i, I don't want to use any names but there's somebody else there was an older guy who went to our high school come to find out he had actually had sex with him before me so i was like okay maybe maybe he prepared you because you act like a whole pro like a complete pro so that was me losing my, me penetrating somebody i was 16 at the time a month later so that was october a month later i turned 17 and this guy that i've been dreaming about forever um like the biggest crush the biggest crush i always say that losing my virginity felt like something out of the movie so he knew that I had a crush on him, but I never talked to him about it. Uh, we had my birthday party. I'll never forget it was at a bowling alley. Had my birthday party. And then he and one of my sister friends came back to spend the night with me. So I had two uh, twin size beds in my bedroom. So me and the straight guy were asleep on one bed, you know, like the feet to head thing. And then my other friend was on the other bed. So I'm asleep. And again, I swear to you, like I said, something out of a movie. He comes into my bedroom and he taps me and I wake up and he was like, do you want to get in the shower with me? What now? <laughs> he was like, do you want to get in the shower with me? So I was like, okay. So I'm just, again, this is like my first big crush. So I'm like nervous. Like, I don't understand what's going on. So he takes me into the bathroom and people are always like, you had sex in your mother's house? Sweetie, I went into this bathroom with him and my mother was literally the door right next to the bathroom. <laughs> so Ciao. We go into the shower and he's just, you know, kissing me, rubbing on me, very, very sensual. So he's 18, I'm, I'm 17. So, you know, rubbing on me and all that stuff, very beautiful. After it's done, he was like, I'm not finished. Like, would you like to go downstairs into the basement? And I was, that's okay. It was a bed in the basement. We went downstairs, making out, making out. And he was like, are you okay if I penetrate you? And I was like, I don't know about that. One, because there was a lot of him. Um, and oh, that was like, what? Yeah, I, I was like, no, he didn't fist me. He didn't fist Third me. Third leg. <laughs> I, was, I didn't have anything around me to show that he was, yeah, very girthy, very long. Um, so I was like, no, I don't, I don't think that's going to be able to be a thing. But, you know, if a person knows your body well, enough kissing, enough on your neck, enough on your nipples, you'll give up a whole lot. So, mechanics. so and, and that's what I tell people. A lot of people say if they're penetrated, it hurts and all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't think you were relaxing. Or maybe you weren't attractive enough to the person. Mm -hmm. Because I lost my virginity to him and he was very big and it did not hurt at all. Same. But like I was saying from the very beginning, I wanted him for a really long time. So there was no need to be nervous after he got finished doing everything he was doing to my body. He entered me twice that night. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was phenomenal. So not Mike's clapping. Twice. First time. In your mother's house. I love it. In your it. mama's house. <laughs> right. Come on. I still have yet to this day. My goodness. You say you've yet to this day? Oh, that well then we need to have another podcast when it calls when it comes to disrespectful things you've done in your family's house. <laughs> oh, God. I will not be on this call, trust me. Um I have anything to contribute. Don't if email me for like that. this. So Did you say don't email you for <laughs> <laughs> decline. <laughs> oh, okay. Ooh, I'm sweating. Okay. <laughs> 
So George, next question starts with you. We're coming towards the end. So what was your first significant relationship with another man? Oh, or I need a drink. 2021. Another <laughs> What was the last part? I'm sorry. What was your first significant Well, that doesn't work because we're talking about being queer men. Um, what was what was your first experience with someone that wasn't uh, your first relationship with someone that wasn't a cishet woman? Okay. My first significant relationship was with um I was, I guess I was 24. Okay. And it was uh, my ex, Chris. And um, he actually dated a guy that I had dated previously that didn't work out. And we became friends. And he was also in the theater. And he was in, he was in the musical theater. I was into just a straight theater. And That's we right. just connected. And um, <laughs> that lasted for about two years. And then he moved. And, uh, but that was my first significant relationship, I guess, queer relationship that I had. My, uh, my first one, cause I can hurry up and get this out of the way. It connects to my last story. Um, I dated the both of them at the exact same time after that happened. So after October and November happened, the three of us ended up being in a relationship together. So that was- I'm a throuple at 17. Oh, you, you've been doing this. So yeah, that that lasted close to a year with the three of us. I got on today. So what was that like? Well, I, mean, I, think, that, I mean, to be to be that young that and part. to experience that, you know, what was that like? Wow. Um, well, with one of them, it was very <clears throat> it was very fun. This was the one who was the bottom to me. It was very fun. We had a, a beautiful connection, like a really, really good connection. One of those connections where when you go back to listen to soundtracks, you think about the two of you. Oh. Um, so for us, it's waiting to exhale. Like, mm. yeah, yeah, it was um, with the top. And again, I'm still friends with both of them. I'll just say that me and the top ended up not speaking for about three years afterwards because he, he I can't even say he was young. He was young, you know? He was young and he was a Sagittarius, um, but he he couldn't. Oh, mine too. He couldn't be contained, you know. Um, the idea of this was only intriguing to him because it was all three of us, so he had options, you know. Um, but when he began to get bored with that, he started messing around with other friends of ours, and yeah. we're like, "What? Like, what's going on?" So it ended up getting pretty bad, and he and I didn't speak for several years. He ended up coming back, you know, apologizing all those years later and stuff. And so we ended up being really cool. But it was, I mean, for a while, it was really fun because like all three of us had a really good connection. And at any point, it could be two together, all three together. And we never felt uncomfortable. So, and it's, it's funny, not until now that I'm thinking to myself, back then, so young, three of us, like it always just felt so normal then. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now in 2021, like, I guess that wasn't so so regular back then. <laughs> You're a trailblazer. <laughs> but I think that points out though a few other things that you said though, sometimes things just that come naturally, they just don't feel, you know, different or uncomfortable or whatever. It just goes and it works for you. Yeah. That's when you realize the outside, like, oh, I shouldn't have been doing that. Like that was an issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> like 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 when everybody's like, you did something in your parents' house. At the time, it felt very normal to me. <laughs> it felt like the safest place for me. 
Like, why would I go to a place I'm not safe in when I can just go mm. Um But yeah, so what about you, Mike? Hmm. Um, I, yeah, Florida, 6'2, dreads, college. First guy I think I ever like met off A for A. Um, but it was, um, it taught me a lot. Um, and it wasn't even, it wasn't a real, ah, oh, that sounds bad. I want to say it wasn't a real relationship. I think, I, I, I think at that time in my mind, I made it into a relationship where we was homies kicking it, hanging out was like the later explanation that I was giving. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. Oh. <laughs> um, so I would say that was probably like really significant to me in my life of kind of like, I felt like I was connecting with another man for the first time, although it was not the best experience. Um, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> that. That sounds very intriguing with all the stuff you left out. <laughs> very intriguing indeed. Well, I think you know kind of how I am. Like when it comes, I try to be as respectful as possible of like relationships <laughs> and past people and I'm, I'm working through that. I'm working through that. I'm trying to believe that it's my truth and it's my experience and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I think it, yeah. But I will say it wasn't, we're still cool to this day in the sense of like, um, it was what it was. But I think at that time I made it more than he made it. To him, it wasn't as deep as it was to me right. because that was my first time like experiencing a man yeah. Um, and How old were you again? 18. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a freshman in college. <laughs> I was a freshman for three years in college. Um, but <laughs> also different stories. Um, but yeah, it was like my first time, like all of that, like I'm grown, I'm doing all of these things. And like, oh my God, there's somebody like that looks like you that um, gave me like the fantasy in my mind of what it was. And like, it was something completely different for me. Like, and it's also regional, right? Like I'm from North Florida and then moving down South and like meeting like a, a down South dread dude. It was just like my fantasies of like all coming to fruition. Like I was in and I didn't even really like him at first. We were really cool. We but like, we were friends. And then I would always like come to his dorm room and like eventually come in his dorm room but uh, <laughs> but um it was a it was a growing up it was a growing up for me and also like uh the first time like experiencing like what it felt to spend the night over like a man's house and like kind of our little thing but i was like a nice little secret on campus so it was it was that whole thing Man. i'll save it for the book yes come on <laughs> there we go there we go <laughs> stop promoting early yes <laughs> and last BHW. Um, similar in a way. Um, I was 19, so I was a sophomore. Um, so it was like I lost my virginity two years earlier and hadn't done anything, you know. Everybody's like, you go away to school, you'll meet somebody. It wasn't really my thing at school, it wasn't really nobody to mess around with. It was either people were closeted or, or they just were straight. I don't know, whatever. It right, just right. didn't happen. I didn't meet I didn't mess around at my college until much later. But um, so I met somebody on BGC and 
we were cool, we were flirting, whatever else. Um, I think it was like Christmas break one year. So I was like, okay, I'll come up, we'll finally meet, I'll spend the night there. And you know, then I'm gonna go home for the two weeks or whatever it was, you know. Went up there, things were cool. But I think I was just in like a, I haven't had sex in like two years. Like I wanna have sex yet. Like, you know, I'm attracted, we're here, whatever, cool. Right. So we had sex, um, it was enjoyable. I think we kind of slowly fell into talking more seriously and everything else. Um, I think a lot of it, looking back, I feel like, I feel like that's what I was supposed to be doing. Like 19, you should be dating. You should be, have experienced your first relationship by now, which is, you know, looking back, like I know it doesn't happen for a lot of people till much later, whenever, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think it was just though, somebody's here, attractive, you know, try this out, whatever. I think I wasn't fully in it or it was a lot more guarded than even I realized. Um, I think that helped me realize it, but after the fact, yeah. So um, it went on for a few months and things were cool. It just wasn't working um, out. And we're still cool though, still friendly to this day or whatever. Um, but it just wasn't, I don't necessarily right, say the wrong timing. I just think, I don't know if we needed two different things out of it or if we wanted two different things, whatever. It just didn't work. I don't think it would mesh well. And then, I mean, he was a couple years older too. So that is also a thing. That's a whole different episode, which we just ended on, which I would love to do. The dynamics of a queer relationship. Oh, that would be a good episode. Don't send me that email either. Did he say don't invite me? I have plenty to add. I feel like Mike has plenty to add. He Uh. does. He does. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny, though. I know y'all brought up, like, Sag being an issue. He was a Sag. We've never had... I don't know if we didn't get that deep. I don't know if I'm just built differently. Well, we well issues like the reason why you, I'm, like I always hear Sag is being so horrible. Well, it's not that in Sages aren't horrible at all. Um, speaking as somebody who's half, um, and I've learned more about the sign over the years. When I was young, I considered the dude who was my ex to be horrible. I thought they were sluts, you know, um, and, and incapable of being genuine and faithful. That's not true. We have to learn how to operate. And I know people don't understand or even care about astrology. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. But for those who do, it can help you. Because like I know now that Sagittarius people are bad people, they just can't be confined. You can't put a Sag into a box because if you do, they're not gonna want to deal with you anymore, you know? So give a Sag their freedom. Giving them their freedom will actually make them want you more, you know? And I found out as I got older, there was, was he a Sag? Yes, there's a Sag that I, I still am really cool with. And he will contact me. I get back to him when I feel like it, text him when I feel like it. You know, I have a friend who's an Aries. Tigger, Tigger. Tigger is the kind of person where it's like, if you're contacting him all the time and blah, 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 he begins to get annoyed. He completely vanishes on you. The reason why our friendship works is because I respond back whenever I feel like it whenever I get around to it and he'll complain and all shucks and all that stuff, but he appreciates it. He appreciates that I don't give him all of that attention. So the fact that I'm on the go doing all this kind of stuff, if he didn't like it, he would have been gone by now, but he remains because that's what it is that he likes. He likes that I'm not there at his beck and call. That is a fire sign. A fire sign does not want you to be there or to smother them. They're fire. They don't want you to put them out, you know? They want to be able to burn and be as free as they want with their flames. So, so no. <laughs> 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 so, 
<laughs> You're funny. Um, but yeah, so no, I completely agree with you, you know, because with you being a Gemini, y'all don't worry about that kind of stuff. Can you be emotional? Absolutely. You know, can you be the kind of person in a relationship where there are certain values that you want? Yes. But you're also not the kind of person to stress if a person in as well. You can, but unlike other signs where we care a lot more, Gemini's don't care as much about that kind of stuff as we do. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, of course, nothing's ever across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you compare yourself to a cancer, no, you don't. Because <laughs> compared to a cancer, who will probably kill somebody if they don't call them back in three hours? <laughs> Come on, tell your truth. Tell your truth. Yes. Because <laughs> no, then, then when you say that, of... it makes me want to get into the rest of your natal chart. Because it's like, okay, maybe that's not the Gemini showing up. That could be your moon. Well, my moon and my, what is it, rising are both Earth, though, so. What, what is your moon? They're both Virgo. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Not this. <laughs> So that's going to be a different episode. That's going to be a different episode of podcast. Yeah. I've been, I've been waiting for a long time to do an astrological episode of THS. And I've been asked, you know, for me to love astrology as much as I do, why is it I haven't done one yet? Because it's probably going to be my favorite episode. So that is, you know, the, the parts of my natal chart that have Virgo in it. That's what's holding me back because it has to be perfect. So it's like, I can't just throw that out there. I have to make sure that it's detailed, it is perfect, and it is exactly the episode that I want it to be. So it'll come out sooner or later. Um, but with that being said, I would like to invite all three of you back again because I would like for us to talk about all three of us, all four of us, whew, all four of us have lived in <laughs> other than where we were birthed, you know? Um, so I would love for us to have conversations about what it's like being queer in different cities. Uh, and what those journeys are like as far as dating and all that stuff. But also I like to talk about work in our careers and how that has shown up as far as being queer black men as well. So that's just two things. Uh, I can think of a multitude of different places to go with this conversation, but I definitely don't want to end it with just this particular one. Uh, Cause I think that people are going to enjoy this. I think that people enjoy this a lot. So until then, if somebody would like to walk with you, George, how would they do that? My favorite part. Um, you, can walk with me. <laughs> you can walk with me on Instagram at the GG1. That's T-H-E-G-G -G number one. And George Hill on Facebook. Thank you. B-H-W. Uh, just call me Otis on Twitter. Um, also, Boys and Brunch. Um, go to Jared D. King's Twitter page or his YouTube, Jared D. King, and you will find us every Sunday. Do you know how long I've waited for you to have something that went longer than just call me Otis on Twitter? <laughs> I would always be like, damn it. Because, <laughs> but you know, I don't like post for real on Instagram. So. This is true. This is true. Which is why it's always such a big deal for us when you do. <laughs> I know your likes have to be through the roof whenever you post something. Because <laughs> we really, he's not going to be back for five months. So we need to make sure. We just, <laughs> just to be honest, just literally to be honest. Very much, very much. <laughs> Dad is very much like you, very. Like he posts maybe twice a year. That's all you're going to get out of him. And that's all. That's all you need. <laughs> and Mike, what about you? Yeah, you can walk with me on um, all things at Michael, M-I-C-H-A, 
E L X Ward W A R D. Um, primarily Twitter, Instagram. Instagram is my social media of choice, but if you would like Facebook, I'm on there as well. And MichaelXWard.com, where you can stay updated on everything that you need to know about me and what I let you in on. So you can also check out BGSAH at underscore BGSAH, BGSAH.com for our bi-weekly screenings. They're free, so RSVP. And I expect that you'll like and follow me. And I'm like, <laughs> And I might follow you back. I cannot. I mean, I might follow you back. So who knows? I might follow you if back. If you got some dreads and if you're from Florida, you know. <laughs> if you got yeah. news on your Twitter, I mean, I might just hit that follow back. You know, if it's the regular Twitter, it might be, uh, uh. You say that for your free Twitter. Got it. Got right. It. Uh. Oh, I should have let him go last. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is so bland compared to that. Like that should have been the last thing. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, if you want to walk with me, that will be Scorpiogi across all platforms, as well as Scorpiogi.com. Uh, for the podcast, you'll go to wertlm.com. That is THS Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and underscore THS Podcast on Twitter. I think that's everything. And if for any reason you decide that you want to take my community yoga class, then you can walk with the love movement at we are TLM on Instagram, the TLM team on Twitter and the love movement. Nope. We are TLM on, on Facebook. <laughs> and the same website would be used for THS podcast as it is for yoga, which is we That is all. Thank you again to BHW. George Hill, excuse me, Brandon Harris Williams. If in case anybody actually wants to find you, we always just say BHW. Brandon Harris Williams. I mean, my full name ain't out there nowhere, do you? <laughs> That's why you've been so comfortable with BHW because you're like they can't find me with just that. So. But they really will. They can find me though for BHW probably faster than they would my real name. So look but oh right because even your even your email addresses now that's true look at that come on branding mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and also thank you to michael ward we love you misfits and until next time namaste